Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me as always is my co-host who never warrants a direct-to-video release, Mr. Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? I'm good. How are you doing, Andy? You know, I'm really great. Uh, we have a guest star. We have another one of our returning champions. We have Nivy Engineer. Uh, you might remember Nivy uh, from season one where she did the Aladdin episode with us. Uh, so if you want to check out what our thoughts on that first, uh, the first installment of the Aladdin series, uh, that is season one, episode four. Uh, Nivy yeah. is a software developer and project manager. She is a fellow Spalding alum in fiction. Uh, she's a, uh, writing a TV pilot. Uh, and she's from Cleveland, Ohio. And one of one of my favorite friendships that I've really built up over Facebook. Uh, Nivy, we're so glad to have you. Hey, happy to be back. Thanks for including me. No, I, we're so glad to have you back. And normally, this is where I would say, Nivy, you know, why did you pick this sequel? Nivy did not pick this sequel. Nivy picked Aladdin. And we're continue and and that was great for her, uh, but she is not responsible for us watching Return of Jafar. No, I, I, no. But let's make that very clear. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yes, but. but at the same time, we thought it would be great to bring you back and and you know just sort of continue, maybe pick up where we left off. Yep, sounds good. Do you want to get us okay. started with key facts, Andy? Yeah. So some key facts to set the stage here. The Return of Jafar is the sequel to the 1992 hit Aladdin, as we mentioned. And the original Aladdin brought in half a billion dollars at the box office with a budget of only $28 million. So it's, this, it's one of the first big, huge animated blockbusters for Disney, where we're getting into the, you know, lots of millions of dollars. Um, at the time of its release, there are over 75 million VCRs in American households. And Disney had hoped to cut the time needed for a new animated feature, because again, they take about three to five years for development and, and production, and use the resulting film, uh, which was, uh, you know, The Return to Jafar, as a pilot launch to the Aladdin animated series they were going to show on the Disney Channel, okay? And the gamble was a decent payoff, uh, capitalizing on the popularity of Aladdin, uh, the VHS copies uh, gross $300 million worldwide on just a $5 million budget. Again, a really pretty good uh, return on investment. Tad Stones and Alan Zaslov, the creators of Chip and Dale, Rescue Rangers, and Darkwing Duck, were tasked with this project. And in interviews that I read, um, Stones claimed he loved Iago, and he really wanted Iago in the film. And as such, we get a lot of Iago the Red Macaw in this movie. Robin Williams does not, sadly, return to this film as Genie because of his concerns about the over-commercialization of his character in Aladdin's marketing on the, on the, at the beginning. And there's a whole lot of story. And if you want to go read all that uh, back and forth, there it's certainly out there. There's this thing called Google, and you certainly can find all you want to know about it. Um, but I, that's that's over. Uh, that's above my pay grade. Uh, but and and unfortunately, Al, I think for this film, Alan Menken and Tim Rice don't return to do music for this film either. Um, but Robin Williams does make a comeback as the genie in the third direct video piece, Aladdin and the King of Thieves, which is also a crazy popular and does really well. So again, this franchise, uh, Aladdin, really takes off. A new ride's installed at Disney World. Um, if you've been to Walt Disney World, you know that they kind of turn 
part of uh, Adventureland into Agrabah. So it turns into this huge, uh, it, it's a it's a pretty lucrative franchise for the Disney company, for sure. And I just want to throw in a couple of key facts about Jafar. Um, while this is, this is number one, n- not the canonical final appearance of Jafar. Jafar has a lot of non-canonical appearances after this. He'll show up in Mickey's House of Mouse, which which sort of exists in like the Toontown reality where cartoon actors like hang out. But he actually uh, canonically in the video game, there is an attempt at resurrecting him by Jafar's sister, Nazira, who is the most powerful sorceress in Agrabah and is trying to bring her little brother back. I think I think that's interesting. Uh, but more interesting to that to me than that is in the Hercules animated series, there is an episode in which Aladdin and Hercules team up because Hades has brought Jafar back to be his vizier. Uh, and so Jafar's story, interesting. Ja- Jafar's story canonically does go further than this than this movie. Uh, so a uh, couple little fun facts there. So let's go into the Manish Tana. Uh, as as you may recall, Nivi, the Manish Tana is the is the question that we ask: Why are we starting our story here? But because this is a sequel, uh, some of that answer is already written for us. It must take place after the events of the Aladdin movie. And I'm wondering if you guys have a sense, either one of you, how much time has passed between the end of Aladdin and the start of Return of Jafar. I I'm not quite sh- I'm not quite sure why how much time has passed and I'm wondering what your thoughts were. Funny, that was one of the questions I had listed. <laughs> like, how much time has passed? Um, I mean, it's got to be long enough for Genie to have traveled the world, but given the frenetic pace at which he moves, that could be anywhere from, I don't know, 10 minutes to a year. Like, it really doesn't specify. Yeah, no, we, I mean, we know that Aladdin and Jasmine have not gotten married yet. So right, and, right, and so and and it almost seems like there's this moment where it's like, oh, you need to talk to my father because he has a surprise for you, and it's like, well, wait, haven't you been dating? Like, why is this such a big deal? For me, it feels like it could be the next day. It could be the next day, but the thing that makes me wonder if it's the next day is Iago and Jafar have had enough time to tunnel out of the Cave of Wonders, where previously we thought they were going to be there for a thousand years. I think they say at the end of, like, hang out in the Cave of Wonder for a thousand years, let's see what happens. It clearly has not been a thousand years, but has it just been a day? Uh, But that said, with... That would be under normal genie conditions, genie lamp conditions, not with, you know, a macaw hanging out in there. Too. I guess, right. I guess, I right. guess, you know, genie didn't calculate the parrot factor, right? right. Um, <laughs> the other question that I've got about the Manish tonight here is the movie opens. We see some bandits riding on on camels to a cave. Uh, and the opening scene is we meet. Abysmal and his bandits, who have just done a successful raid on someplace and gotten a lot of treasure, and immediately Aladdin and Abu and Carpet have come to stop them in sort of, 
I want to say this is almost a proto-Batman sort of thing that Aladdin is doing here. Yeah. Robin Hood. Yeah. 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 It feels like like Alibaba and the 40 Thieves or, you know, it feels like. But again, it's also a lot like a prologue, like the first movie, right? We right. sort of get that prologue of the villains happening in the very beginning, um, like we do with a lot of Disney movies, right? We start to see the we see the antagonist before we see the protagonist. So, And we even start with a song, which is a reprise of Arabian Nights from the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and basically our opening to I mean here's where I'm going with this because because it feels like we're going nowhere but also I think the opening of the movie feels like we've gone nowhere uh which which is to say we're on our way to a destination that ultimately is not important to the movie we're meeting a bunch of characters one of those characters will figure into the movie later although he's not going to be a main, I mean, he's a main character of the movie Abysmal, but he's he's certainly not our primary focus. Is that fair to say? Um, yeah, because if it's the return of Jafar, my big question is, why aren't we seeing Jafar? And if I, we're going to introduce the antagonist. So, I mean, it does confuse matters because Abysmal sort of feels, is this the protagonist of this film or what's What's going on? Right. Yeah. And so we're, we're reintroduced to Aladdin, but we're watching the opening sequence, not from Aladdin's perspective, but from Abysmal's perspective. And right. that that for me is an, interest, an interesting choice, uh, if, if a choice it was, if it was a deliberate choice. And I'm wondering if maybe we'll unpack that a little bit more as we uh, as when we get to character. Just real quick. There's a lot going on there, and it's it's hard to know what's happening because, and maybe this kind of goes into exposition a little bit, but like, you know, again, if the question is, why is this day like other day, not like any other, you know, why is this day the day um, that we start this film? Um, we have Abu stealing from them, right? And we have Aladdin kind of coming to the rescue, and then Aladdin takes the loot from them to return it and foil the thieves with the flying carpet. I'm not even sure what Aladdin's doing there. This is not his jurisdiction. No, it's not. He should be in Agrabah, but it's like, why is right. Aladdin not in Agrabah? But he doesn't why have, is he here? But he doesn't have an official position. So no. he can pull this stuff off. Right. I, like, you don't have to worry about jurisdiction, about breaking the rules if he's not officially a government official that would have been. I wonder if this is intended to be a reversal. We pretty much open on Aladdin's story. He's the thief in the market stealing bread to survive, being hunted down by guards. Now he's the reverse. Now somebody well, now else he's is stealing. Yeah, he's stealing a jewel for his girlfriend, right? Well, it's well, weird. I mean, he's recovering. It's interesting because because <laughs> Abysmal has recovered the treasure. But Aladdin, in sort of very much a Robin Hood style, doesn't isn't like let's get this treasure back to its rightful owners. He showers it down to the people of Agrabah, keeping the best thing to be a gift to his fiance. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird reintroduction to Aladdin. I don't really know. I, I get the sense this is the sort of thing that he's been doing. Um, like like, but. But I I don't I don't really know, and yeah I I so so I feel like the opening of this doesn't really set our expectations 
for what it is we're seeing. And if it's the unusual day, it's not the unusual day in Aladdin's life. It's the unusual day in Abyss Maul's life. It's the day someone thwarted him. Usually I get the sense he thwarts himself. Today somebody else actually made an effort. I don't know, I don't know if that's fair. But uh, that sounds fair to me. I mean, this is a hard, this is a weird, it's, it's very jarring because you're trying to figure out, okay, where are certain places, where are, what's happening? And I don't know. And I don't, I mean, I, because we love Aladdin and Jasmine, right? Yeah. Why aren't we starting with Aladdin and Jasmine? But well, no, we're of, starting somewhere else. This kind of goes back to the original movie though, which did the same thing. Same opening song with different, slightly different lyrics. This is trying to return us to the familiarity Right, get the nostalgia factor. Hey, you remember how that other movie opened with this song, with characters that set the scene, that defined what's going on before we even saw Aladdin. They're yes. doing that again, so they're they're revisiting the. And I guess, and I guess we're showing off Aladdin's acrobatic skills again, right? Like he's, right. like we're showing off like that he's got the skill set to be an adventurer. And arguably, he is the first prince to to actually have the skill set to be an adventurer since Prince Philip in Sleeping Beauty. Uh, I, I don't know that it, most of them just like have glass slippers and walk around. Uh, so so, you know, that's that's he's the he's the best so far, I think. Uh, this also seems a little bit of like a red herring, right? Like there is that when they introduced in the first movie, Aladdin being a thief, there's that like moral quandary right so by having him stealing from them and giving to the poor like it starts with the familiar like oh is this an is this another like it's messing with your expectations is is this another case of he's stealing for his own benefit he just has better access now with that rug uh but no look at that he's actually giving it up right to everybody else so on, on the one hand, on a much larger scale, but on the other hand, on maybe a less simple, it's just so generalized, his generosity, that I don't get the same heartstrings when he was giving up the bread he needed when he's, mm -hmm. as to when he's giving up the jewelry that was, wasn't his in the first place. Exactly. There's no heart to it. There's no, you know, greater good. It's well, just... or is it, hey, you, if you have more, you have to give more, and he buys into that. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't lose his generous nature. Because you can still pull on the things you know about his character from the previous movie. Yeah, I, right, I mean, right. uh, let's give him the benefit of the doubt because there's there can be other places where we have no benefit of doubt. So let's <laughs> let's do that. I'm going to move us into plot. Let's do it. Uh, so exposition. We see that Aladdin. Uh, the exposition really happens after the abysmal sequence. I think I think the abysmal sequence reads as a cold open. And then we move into Aladdin flies into the palace. He and Jasmine, we see, are still together and they're still flirty. Raja is still like a little wild and Abu and Raja haven't exactly figured things out. But clearly he is now a fixture in the palace. We also learn that the Sultan is super impressed with Aladdin and wants to make Aladdin his new vizier, which is a position, by the way, I don't know what qualifies Aladdin to be a vizier, but we'll put that to the side. That's what's been going on. And yet, the the you could argue that Aladdin being made the vizier by the Sultan is the inciting incident, right? We could argue that, but actually, it is not. 
What is the inciting incident of this movie? I mean, I think it's kind of, again, it's kind of hard to tease out because in the beginning, I'm like, oh, who is this movie about? Right. Right. I can't really tell who, but, but again, I, I, so what I landed on is after, you know, (laughs) juggling a couple of different ideas, it seems to me that when Abbas Maul finds the lamp containing Jafar, who is bound by the rules of a genie, right? Jafar wants his revenge on Aladdin. Abysmal wants it as well, right? And it seems like finding that lamp may be the inciting incident. Could be, um, except it's an inciting incident without our protagonist present, right? Well, right. I mean, that that's what's so weird about it. I, I don't think Aladdin's the protagonist of this no. movie. If he and, was. And again, that's what makes it so, like... So- I actually think this is, I think this is Iago's story. I think it is. Just, I mean, he's, it's, it's today because it's the day that Iago escapes, right? Mm -hmm. And his story is at first, he doesn't release Jafar, right? Which is why the inciting incident is when Abysmal releases Jafar, because Iago has supposedly learned his lesson. He wants nothing to do with him. He's not going to be his, you know, patsy anymore. I'm going to throw... Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, so for me, we've got a bunch of you. You could also make the case the inciting incident is Genie returns. Right. Today's the yeah. day that Genie comes back. There's so much here. My answer, and I don't I don't know that it's the best answer, but it's my best answer is the real inciting incident. It's subtle, but it is Iago and Aladdin connecting when Iago mm-hmm. saves Aladdin's life. That changes everything for both of them. Yeah. Uh, more so true. than Iago breaking away from Jafar, more so than Aladdin being appointed vizier. The real heart of this movie is the Iago Aladdin relationship. And the established, so the inciting incident has to be when that relationship gets established, which is baffling to me mm-hmm. because in mm-hmm. the first movie, they have no relationship. I don't know if they say more than four words to each other. I'm right, not even sure right. at the end of that movie that Aladdin knows who Iago is. Except except clearly clearly by the second movie, people have been talking. But but you know, it's like uh, Iago is not a Iago is a character in Aladdin. He's a prominent character in Aladdin, but from the perspective of our protagonist. Aladdin isn't fixated on Iago. Iago, if anything, was fixated on the Sultan, right? Yeah. And right. Think, and and again, this this movie is called The Return of Jafar, not so, the Return of Iago. No. And the primary conflict in the first movie was between Jafar and Aladdin, right? I would say. Yeah. And so, if if Jafar is returning, isn't Jafar's beef with Aladdin, and shouldn't that be clear? But no, we have a lot of Iago. Now, this feels to me, now I don't know, right? But this feels to me like one of those producer decisions where somebody went, you know, we don't have Robin Williams for this one, but Gilbert Godfrey's really funny. So we need a lot of funny, and because that's what made this movie work. And so let's make Iago the the guy. That's how this feels. That's how this feels to me. He's also the character that undergoes change. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So more than Aladdin does. Sure. Right. 
I mean, yeah, Aladdin changes his opinion of Iago, right? He goes right. from, you need to be captured, to thank you for saving me, and let me, you know, like, so it's his acceptance and trust in him that changes Iago, but it's right. still Iago that has to make that decision to not betray his friends. No, I'm with you. Uh, so I'm going to move us just through prop plot a little faster. Rising okay. action. We have a bunch of things that happen after Iago and Aladdin uh, reconnect. Uh, Aladdin reintroduces Iago to the Sultan and offers to be um, basically Iago's parole officer to make sure that, mm -hmm. you know, he, he gives Iago is is a prisoner. He gets out on parole. Iago works his way into life at the palace. But Jafar returns as a genie. He has Abysmal sort of as his minion slash uh, technically master of the lamp. But really, the right. power dynamic doesn't work the way it's supposed to there. Uh, Jafar threatens Iago into betraying Aladdin and the Sultan. Jafar, the genie comes back, but then the Jafar... Uh, literally puts the genie in a bottle, right? Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, I, I couldn't help myself there. Um, <laughs> li literally captures captures genie, captures captures a Abu, frames Aladdin for the capture of the Sultan, uh, and then Iago does another turn trying to free the genie and friends. Uh, ultimately leading to a second confrontation between Jafar, Aladdin, Iago, and company, uh, which I'm going to say is the climax, is the is the second battle with Jafar. Uh, yeah. Uh, which we've kind of been there and done that already, but we're doing it again because it's a sequel. Yeah, it's like, well, will Jafar be destroyed once and for all, right? I but, mean, that's but sort this of... Time, but this time by Iago. Right. That is the action climax. I'm right. guessing, though, the emotional climax of this takes place before we we even get there. Uh, anyone want to speak to what, what you think the emotional climax might be here? It's It's hard. I mean, I think when Aladdin's about to be put to death, I mean, that's when Genie saves him. For me, that was like, okay, I because I care more about Aladdin. I mean, there's but the 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 problem here, Larry, I think, and Nivi, is that there are too many dramatic questions that are constantly posed. You got too many things going on, and it feels like I'm, I'm gosh, I'm just not sure what we're what we're trying to answer. I I would agree with you, Nivi. You looked like you had something. So for me, the dramatic, you know, turning point, uh, the climax would be right when Jafar leaves the dungeon. So it's around the same time, right? To, to go and um, behead Aladdin. And Iago, I think he knew before this, but he finally takes the opportunity to try to rescue Right, he he has to prove to everybody else. Now he's he's free. He's got Jafar believing in him for his treachery, and right. leave leaves him free to do what he wants. And he stays and he rescues, like he frees Genie. No, mm. I, I I think you're right. Uh, I'm gonna go a same line, but a little further down. I think 
once Iago has cleared the balances, there's a point there's a point where like he's been keeping score. Look, I saved Aladdin. Aladdin, now you owe me. Now Aladdin did this for me. Now I owe him. And I'm, my voice is starting to take on. Now I own him. Um, you know, like it's going it's going back and forth. There comes a point where the rest uh. of the gang is off to rescue Aladdin. Or Aladdin is off to rescue Agrabah, I think it is. And Iago says, I rescued you. That's it. I don't owe you nothing anymore. And Aladdin says, you're right. You have absolutely paid your debt to me, Iago. Best of luck to you. He smiles at Iago. They leave on good terms. And Iago's, I, I mean, this is for me the dramatic moment, is Iago could leave. He owes them nothing. This quid pro quo life, what can I get from people sort of thing he's lived his whole life from is there. And then he's like, but why do I still want to help Aladdin? And he goes and he helps Aladdin without the expectation of any reward. It's his hero he's moment. Han Solo. Yeah, it, it is. It is the Han Solo moment. If Han Solo was, was a red macaw voiced by Gilbert Godfrey. Um, you know, Iago shot first, but but uh, I think I think that is arguably his emotional climax is the moment where we see, you know, can he be changed? You know, I just rewatched an episode of The Good Place, and I think mm -hmm. Iago would be perfect in Chidi's class being le learning what we owe from each other. It, yeah. it is Ar arguably this this movie is trying to do yeah. a redemption story. And can someone learn to be good? Yeah, I mean, so as we're kind of jumping into characters here, let's just go ahead and jump into Iago. I mean, one of the things that he he makes a line where he says, he's a line where he says, nobody's ever looked out for me before. And that's probably the the point where it's like, it elicits this kind of empathy for like Iago, because maybe, and he kind of makes this joke like, oh, I was under the, I was under Jafar's power. I was under his spell, just like the Sultan was. And it's like, but maybe he kind of was. No, you know? no, that's a line. He's, he's you, you think it's just a line? line? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a smart lie because how do they know he wasn't? But we in the yeah. audience watched Aladdin and we saw the scenes between Iago and Jafar. And as you'll recall, Iago is the one who comes up with ideas. When Iago says the line to Jafar, who comes up with, uh, uh, God, I can do the voice. Who comes up with all of your ideas, right? Uh, it was it was Iago. Iago is constantly right. the one who's coming up with the plans and Jafar is like, yes, yes, I've, I, I got it from you. Okay, but even so, okay, so maybe I'm getting way too deep with this, but the subtext for me is that he can be redeemed. Because yes. even though he's lying about it, and even though whatever, there's still a there's still a sort of a grain of truth to some of it. So for him, it's like there were a couple of quotes of his that basically are revealing his character. It's mm -hmm. you know, I never found a friend that I could trust. From here on out, I'm looking out for me. His opening, right? mm -hmm. the his beginning. opening song is "I Will Never Love Again," right? Right. Yeah, he's he's just looking out for himself, right. and you know, and. Late, and which is contrasted by Jeannie's song, right? There's nothing in the world quite like a friend. Right. Right. So he just never felt like he had. And so it's like the redeeming quality of friendship is the underlying story here. Um, That's so interesting because, and I'll bring this up, I guess, a little bit with Jeannie. But what you just pointed out to me is Jeannie's song in the first movie is You've Never Had a Friend Like Me. And his song mm -hmm. in the second movie is I've Never Had a Friend Like You. Right. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's that's clever. 
that's yeah. When, one might argue that's the sort of lesson a character should learn over the course of a movie and not in between movies. But hey, <laughs> but hey. right. Well, I mean, it, it's a nod to he's been set free, right? Yes. And so it's sort of a nod to the a lot of this. I would say the first half of this picture is a callback to the last oh. movie. Oh yeah. I mean, that's really all it is. And so it's a and, money and, grab. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it feels that way. Um, let's move on to Abbas Mall. Um, abysmal, right? Yeah. Uh, Jason Alexander's character. Um, my daughter was like, is that George from Seinfeld? It Indeed is. it is. Um, so the thing that gets me about him from the get-go that I just don't like about him is that he wastes his wishes. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> and so we know that he's a, you know, we know he's not a good guy. Um, we know he's not a good guy, period. But it, he's so easily brought to the dark side. And even he was probably not in the in in a you know the bright side to begin with, but he just is easily manipulated. And I don't know. And honestly, I'm not sure what he's doing here. So I can tell you what he's doing here. But I tell do me what, what he's doing okay. here, please. So this whole movie, if you want to call it a movie, is not a movie telling this story. It is right. a movie that is designed to set up Aladdin the TV series. Right. It's mm -hmm. all place setting and they have clear objectives of what the end product of this movie needs to be. One of the clear end products is Iago has to be integrated into the core cast of characters because uh, he's going to be in the series. We want him every week. We need him as that sort of not goody two shoes foil to create conflict with the rest of the cast. So that's an that objective. Make it less cloying. Yeah. Yes. In in the TV series, the, they fight a bunch of new villains. Jafar never comes back in that TV series. Abyss ah. Maul comes back again and again. He is arguably the villain in that series who shows up the most. And his shtick is, number one, he is incredibly incompetent and has, has an advisor who is way more competent than he is. One of the great lines from the TV series is he's got this, his his vizier at one point like sees like abysmal, like stick his head into a pot and, it, and his vizier goes, how did I ever attach my cart to this guiding light? Um, but his, his villain thing is abysmal is constantly finding incredibly powerful magical artifacts that should give him the upper hand for a, with Aladdin. And every time he gets a magical artifact, his own basic incompetence trips him up. So, ah, interesting. so we're setting him up as a main villain for the Aladdin series here. The problem is threat level is zero. Mm -hmm. uh, the one, his one redeeming quality as a bad guy, as a villain, is his extreme greed. Yes. Right. Like, that was what foiled Jafar. Right? It's like, okay, with your third wish, set me free. It's like, wait, but I want all this stuff. And it's like, and so he gives him all that stuff. It's like, well, how right, do I know right, it's not right. going to go away? Like, it's his extreme selfishness that keeps him relevant. He And he's not a complete idiot. He is an idiot. But he has that kernel of the greed, I think you're right, gives him a kernel of cunning that even though you can trick him all these different ways, if he doesn't have the shiny shinies in front of him, he, he doesn't, mm -hmm. he, he, he needs to see the immediate rewards for his action. He's not a planner, right? And, and that's, 
you know, like when he says, wait a second, I wish you free, then what do I get? Right? Like, he's not that st stupid, although he's so stupid. Right? Like, like Abysmal edges out LeFou. Uh, oh, it. 100%. Scale. Yes. Oh, Gaston's yes. Uh, sidekick from Beauty and the Beast. Abysmal, yeah. Abysmal beats out LeFou on that, on that scale. But yeah, so that he's here to set up that in the in future stories. We, don't worry, we may have killed Jafar, but there's another much less competent, much less scary villain that we can watch Aladdin fight 40 times. But we have, alas, we have not killed Jafar. And Jafar is our, is he the villain? I guess he's back as our villain here because this is the return of Jafar. What do we have to say about Jafar? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> so, so, Jafar wants revenge in this movie. Mm -hmm. Right? But. Right. I don't know what Jafar thinks he's got going for him this time that he didn't have going for him last time. I don't know why he needs to get his revenge before he needs to get his freedom. Right? Like, right. like, like the freedom seems like he's like, first, let's start getting our revenge on Aladdin and and uh, and Jasmine. And then, by the way, we'll free me from the lamp. Why? Get free first, dude. Yeah. The, the other one, the other piece I'd never like that just didn't make sense. So one, I did think the catchiest song was his song, like oh, your only second rate, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, was, mm -hmm. it was catchy, good rhymes, blah, blah, blah. But why? Yeah. Why did he have to reveal himself to Jeannie and Abu, who were no threat to going and rescuing Aladdin? Because they had no clue what was going on, right? He could have completed his plan, no problemo. And then gone off and dealt with them. But he felt the need to go and make himself appear to Jeannie and Apu while that was going on. Like, there were just some plot illogical decisions that. No, uh, uh, the truth. Yeah, of, agree. The truth of the matter is, I also agree, it's my favorite song of the bunch is the Jafar song. Mm -hmm. um, but I also, I'm, I'm with you. Jafar's plan doesn't make sense. His priorities are in the wrong place. The the things that he's doing here, he you have to do more in a sequel than you did in the first movie. You have mm -hmm. to exceed what you did. And Jafar was more arguably more dangerous in the first movie than he is in the second movie where he's arguably more powerful. Mhm. Mm yeah, I mean, I have a note here, like, why does Genie seem to be less powerful than Jafar? Because they both are ruled by the Genie universe, right? But he does things like he locks Genie up and he traps him and whatever. And I'm like, well, how is he doing that if he can only do things and his power is limited by somebody's wishes? Like, how does all this, well, like, no, there, I mean, it's just not, there's Jeannie a consistency do, of it. Yeah, well, Genie did do stuff like they're able to do this magic stuff without the powers, right? Right, but so Genie that, that part is consistent. But yeah, the, the degree of <laughs> yeah, but Genie's also free now, right? And still, I think has retained his power because right. he. It, I could give just, you an answer to this, but the movie doesn't give it. So yeah, the answer that I would give here is 
twofold. Number one, because we're doing table setting for the series. We mm. have established that Genie can't solve everything with magic. That there are, So mm. we need this sequence because Genie can't be as powerful as he was because, because of reasons. reasons. Um, right. But if I was going to build into the universe why Jafar is more powerful than Genie, I would say it's that Jafar, being human, has creativity and is capable uh, and has an agenda, which are qualities mm. that maybe Genie doesn't. The Genie is okay. funny, and G but Genie is constantly doing riffs of other people's material, right? Right, like, right. He's not, he's not, he has no agenda of his own. He's just there. And my answer would be, Jafar should say, but unlike you, I want things. You don't want things anymore. You wanted to be free and you got it. You don't want mm -hmm. and that pushes me further. Also, unlike you, I am creative and can think of things to do with your power because I remember what it was like to be powerless and you've never mm. had that. That's uh, interesting. That's how that's I would rewrite it. I don't know that the movie is doing that, but but no, like because they kind of argue, they kind of lose the whole sense of of Jafar being super intelligent too. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Like, I mean, Genie's still giving the good dad advice, right? Right. But or like little bits of it, but um, Jafar, the whole illogical nature of his decisions and lack of overall plan. Right. Like, and then what? Right. It just maybe the humanity gave him and he's channeling all his creative thinking to what he can do with his powers as opposed yeah. to any bit of planning. Yeah. Yeah. So what about what do we think about Aladdin? Who? Um, oh, well, <laughs> yeah. He's not <laughs> he was in it. So so <laughs> it's weird. Um there seem we I I don't know. Uh, Aladdin has three relationships that seem to be in a state of needing to sort themselves out over the course of the movie. The uh -huh. most important relationship, because the movie lives and dies by this, is his relationship with Iago. Uh -huh. There is also sort of a redux of his relationship with Princess Jasmine, where she uh -huh. goes, "Now you lied to me again. This time about and and and." I have I have news for 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 Princess Jasmine about about what her expectations should be uh, in terms of honesty in a relationship, but we can get to that later. And the With third the, show. the third seems to be his relationship with the Sultan, which is mm -hmm. which starts off fine. The Sultan wants Aladdin to be the vizier, gets broken a little bit when Aladdin shows up with Iago, and also needs to be repaired. Right. Uh, but none of, I don't know. That's all about repairing relationships. I don't know that Aladdin is going through any kind of transformation in this movie. And I got to tell you, I don't eat the movie posits. He has done something really wrong by not immediately telling Jasmine and Sultan that Iago is back. You're right. Exactly. And I mean, if Iago is back, it's not necessary. I mean, it's not necessarily true that Jafar is back, right? I, but no one is concerned that Jafar is back. Although, no, although, no, maybe they should be. That yeah, would be my number one concern. <laughs> but there, and look, the Sultan was okay. tortured by Iago in the first movie. That sure. did, that did happen, and I right. get it. But 
But this is not Aladdin is planning on keeping a secret from Jasmine and the Sultan indefinitely. He's just trying to find, like, like, there is this idea, like, I'm keeping a secret from you forever that I hope you never find out. That's right. what Aladdin was doing in the first movie when he pretended to be a prince. He was never right. going to tell her the truth. In this one, it's like, I'm going to pick the right moment to tell my partner about this thing that is going to be unpleasant for her to experience because I want to do it in a thoughtful way that minimizes the pain the reveal of the secret is going to cause. Sure. How dare you. That, to demand <laughs> honesty at a higher level than that from your partner is ridiculous. I, I want to be hurt, at, that's like saying, I want to be hurt immediately and as painfully and as thoughtlessly as you can. <laughs> So oh, I'm going to be goodness. an Aladdin apologist here, and I'm going to say Aladdin has done nothing wrong. Maybe what this movie should be about is is Jasmine and Sultan checking their privilege mm -hmm. and learning learning to trust that when sometimes when people don't tell you things, it's because they have their your best interests at heart. So the thing about Aladdin that gets to me in this is that he seems sort of naive, which in the other film he is not, right? And, and he seems to have like it, like this thing that happens where it's kind of hard for me to explain. And I've tried putting it into words, but this is as, this is as good as I can get. I've distilled it to this. Like, why would Aladdin get into conflict with the Sultan, right, to champion Iago? Well, he believes that, that makes Iago has saved no his life, and says like, "Oh, well, he saved my life, right?" But even though he saves his life, he does lock him up. Right? Like you're on a probationary right. period, right? So why not present it as such? Exactly. Yeah. It it's makes no manufactured sense. conflict. Yes. So it feels so say. contrived. And it, it's like, I think this character deserves better. We know, like I said, I know Aladdin has a heart of gold. We we saw him, but in this movie, he seems kind of flat. And he doesn't even really I'll I'll say this. I don't even think he's that important to this story. He's at least more important than Jasmine. Oh, Jas does Jasmine even matter? I even have that note. Does she even matter in this movie? And before, I don't think she does either. Before we get to her, and I want to get to her, I want to make one point about Aladdin here. And I think there's a missed opportunity here. If Aladdin found Iago not when uh, Iago is doing all sorts of shenanigans with the bandits and all of that stuff. But Iago is about to have his, uh, has stolen bread like Aladdin did. If Iago was really starving and stole a loaf of bread and is about to be punished by the guards for doing basically the same thing Aladdin was doing in the first movie. Uh -huh. And as he's being carted away to justice, Iago says something like, you know, no one's ever given me a chance. I had no choice but to steal this bread. You know, like said, said something where, where it's like, like, you all think I'm just a street rat. And Aladdin, Aladdin keys into that, sees Iago and uh -huh. says, wait a second. Is the problem with Iago the same thing that was with me? That he just hasn't. Then, well, then, yeah, the and then the empathy. Then the empathy feels more genuine, right? Right. I mean, there's this whole, there's this whole thing where Iago is. Uh, I need. I I almost would like it if 
there really is this sort of like final falling out between Jafar and Iago at the beginning of the movie. Yes. And Iago like dumps, you know, dumps him and goes with the friends, right? And goes with Aladdin and Jasmine and tries to, but then Jafar starts to get more power. And then Iago goes, oh, wait, I like power, right? And then starts to, you know, align forces again with Jafar. And if it's sort of this push-pull, a more, I would like this movie a lot better. A more complicated Aladdin-Iago relationship could yes. make this a much stronger movie. Right. Uh, but but we're really getting we're really getting the perfunctory notes to get us from one place to the other. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah, and maybe again, if it, the if the purpose wasn't to for this to be a pilot, then that yeah. would be maybe a little different. We should move on to Princess Jasmine. I'm we sorry. Should. Yeah, I'm sorry. And again, I love Princess Jasmine in the first movie. I don't know why she even matters in this movie. Well, you know, she has to get offended. Welcome to my new section, Larry's Misogynist Minute. Uh, <laughs> I just tell you how, let, let me explain to the two of you how women work, since you don't understand. No, it is so, like, it's just, it's mind-blowing, because she doesn't really have a, she doesn't have a want. She should have She's one. She's just, she, she doesn't. Here's what her want should be. She shouldn't be mad about this whole Iago situation. She should be mad that Aladdin is going out and having adventures and not bringing her. Yes, because, because he doesn't really see her as a partner. He sees her as someone to be protected. And she right. should be mad, not that he's been keeping the secret about Iago, which is entirely reasonable. But when he says he's bringing back this treasure for her, he doesn't tell her where he got it, that he risked his life, and that he's basically snuck out without her. She should get to see the world too. She should get to go on adventures yeah. too. They're equals. And frankly, Jasmine kicks ass. Her pet is a tiger. Her <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, like, was, you're absolutely yeah. right. Was that not the point of the first movie? She, it's not that the point. Right. Yeah. She is not the damsel in distress. Right. She's right. good under pressure. She's not right. waiting to be kissed, dude. Bring her. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> I've just ruined my misogynistic minute. Um, I apologize. <laughs> Got away from me. I'll do better next time. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, so I think I think she's yeah, I think she she has again, if if you're not it we learn nothing from the first movie, right? The whole premise right. of the first movie was you're, you know, I choose I get to make choices. I'm Jasmine, I get to make choices. Now she's like, my father wants to tell you something, and I don't really have choices to make. Why isn't like, Jasmine the new vizier? Exactly. That is exactly my note. <laughs> oh, it makes me so mad. It makes me mad because be this is the kind of sequel that makes me mad. And it's not just this sequel. Any sequel that has to undo stuff from the first movie to get us back to where we need to be where we have to take, where it undoes the stuff that we accomplished by watching the first one always makes me mad. Mm -hmm. It just does. I, I want to right. move forward, not backwards. Well, let's move forward with Jeannie, huh? What do we think about Jeannie? Dan Castaneda, who did a great job, doing, I think, Doing the, the best job anyone could do, <laughs> considering, like, he's not Robin Williams. Right. Like, right. He's in a role that someone else originated. Right. Uh, but I mean, they, they've 
they let him bring back some of the the good dad advice thing, right? Only mm-hmm. this time he's advising Iago. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Um, so that's. But know, he, he doesn't have. Lines. He doesn't really have a story in this. No. He's almost no. not even a story element in this. We just had to bring he's him back for future device. stories. Yeah. Well, he kind of screwed things up for for Aladdin, right? They, we needed to increase the tension, so he's the one who's like, "Hey, at least it's not Iago that's here." It's like, <laughs> it's me on the Iago, right? Like, right, right, right. Kinda, oh, if I ever see him again, right? Like, just just a plot device to allow us to bring up what is wrong with Iago and why there should be tension in this cut in the next scene. Although I mm-hmm. wonder sometimes with Genie. Does he actually somehow, he, look, like what he knows and what he pretends to know are two different things. Does he maybe know that Aladdin is hiding this thing about Iago and that's why he says what he says? Um, like, like he is kind of, I don't mean like malicious, but he does make his his share of mischief and, and chaos wherever he goes. I wonder if he's bringing it out into the open now because if it drags out too long, he thinks it's going to be a problem. It's just not clear. It's not clear. Or is it? Or is it that this movie will last that much longer? That's true. We only got an hour. (laughs) All right. Well, let's move on. Let's move on to music. What do we think? Okay. So I think we've talked quite a bit about the music. Uh, I was going to make the same point with Nivi. My favorite song is about the character who who we're not going to be continuing to adventure with, which is Jafar's uh, You're Only Second Rate. Um, but, But, okay, two things I have on my agenda here. Number one. I've said this about character songs before. I think I, I think I first brought this up in our Sword in the Stone episode. You can have a song sung by someone with a character voice. You can do that once per movie. Mm-hmm. You cannot give Gilbert Gottfried two songs in a movie. One one is enough. Mm-hmm. One is plenty. I think he would agree with me on this. I'm not. Uh, he, he knows. He knows what he sounds like. Um, it's, it's it's look. It's it's a Muppet Show thing for me. You're allowed to have Beaker come out and sing a song, but but if you have the Beaker, if it's all Beaker all the time, going me 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 me, like like it gets old. And Un- well, unless and let's dive into protagonist problems a little bit. If Iago is the protagonist of this movie, I mean, the protagonist of a musical is going to get more than one number, right? I guess, right? I think he sings more than Aladdin does uh, in this movie. But well, I mean, he functions more as a protagonist than a lot. So let's talk about movie. the two songs. So the first one is definitely his I Want song, which is I'm looking out for me, which is ki- kind of his Someday My Prince Will Come, right? Like like he's seeing the future and right. he's learned a lesson. No more partners. He's only going to care about himself and nobody else, which, you know, hey, establishing character. That's a thing a song is supposed to do. His second song is a duet with Jasmine. And it's a duet with Jasmine, not about the two of them, but they're both singing about Aladdin. He's telling her to forget. It's, it's, I, what are we seeing? Are we, are, is this establishing he's an, a master manipulator? I guess maybe that's what this song is doing, that he can get Jasmine to fall back in love with Aladdin. Um, I don't. It's, it's his version of a good deed. Like, mm-hmm. I, the note I have for this one is I actually want to like this song. 
which is not the same as I actually liked it, but <laughs> I liked that. I mean, we, we've established that Jasmine was basically a cardboard cutout stuck in scenes for random, you know. You know what location. that song needs? I, I'm going to I'm going to punch myself for saying this. It needs a reprise. It needs a reprise where Aladdin, where Iago is about to abandon Aladdin and start singing to himself. Forget yeah. about the boy. We need a. Yeah. I yeah. guess I, what the problem is there's only two songs from Gilbert Godfrey. We should have a third song. <laughs> we should have a third song where he comes back to this point and he tries to make himself forget about Aladdin, and comes back to it. So I think that was the song that was off camera, right? Oh, here's hoping. I mean, that's why he came back, because clearly he, he heard the message in that song. But like, I liked that what I liked about it conceptually was that it took this sweet little cloyingly romantic song that, you know, was painful anyhow. Like, it's no a, a whole new world, and therefore it's all just cloying. Um, and, yeah. it, and it added a little, I, I don't know... It, it add a little humor to it, a little edge to it. Yeah. So conceptually, I thought it was good. Execution. Eh. Yeah. I like, mean, that's the other thing. Of, none of the music in this movie is as good as the music from the original. Um, and there's just a there's just a falling off in quality to the point where I don't I wouldn't even mind if every song was cut. Because if you can't, well, yeah, I mean, you can't it's a difference match. between it. Right. I mean, you have two of well, three of the best songwriters in you know in in the world on the first project I, and then you know this next project just really isn't but i mean it's a difference between a 15 or a five billion dollar budget and an 18 million dollar budget right yeah i mean you have three times over three times the budget in the first one and so. probably the years of development that it took to write the songs right like sure. those songs don't just magically appear full cloth so no, so no. if you don't have the time to really develop them to the same level it's just going to feel right you're trying to get them to you're trying to get them to the screen as quickly as possible and so that's what this the that's what the plan the karaoke was karaoke version yeah 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 yeah, yeah I'm with um you. so did we talk about protagonist problems I, I i think we've hinted to it but the big the big protagonist problem is whose movie is this iago's or aladdin's but I, I think we're all on the same page here. It's Iago's movie. Yeah. 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 The whole story arc is his. Yeah. Aladdin doesn't have one. Yeah. Yeah. He, he has to discover that, uh, you know, that he needs the company of other people. He saves someone out of selfish ambition and then he saves someone out of kindness. Right. Here is the issue. Audience expectation going into this movie. There is nothing that indicates that this movie is going to be about Iago. He right. appears in a villain scene. Um, so the first person we meet is Aladdin. I think we're expecting Aladdin to be our protagonist through this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and we've all gotten there before we really digested this point. But remember, if you're a moviegoer going into this, you're not expecting a movie about Iago. Right. And that's a problem. It's, well, and this isn't a big screen movie either. This right. is a movie that you, you know, plug and play at, at, it's at called your house. It's called Aladdin 2, The Return of Jafar. Iago's right. name is not on the marquee. Right. So it's weird. It is weird. It's weird for him to be the lead in a movie which two other characters are forces of good and evil are in the title. <laughs>
Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about this movie. I thought, well, you know, gosh, is that the difference? What are the two problems with it structurally? And, and, and I keep coming up with, well, okay, it's dramatic tension. There's more dramatic. And, and that's, while that's true, I think it's a structural problem. Yeah. Between the, the first and second movies. We don't know who to root for. No. Yeah, I mean, this does follow, like, yes, you would expect it to be Aladdin or Jafar. And if, if you were to follow Jafar, Jafar kind of has an arc, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he starts, or at least he has different states of matter. Um, and, you know, starts off as a gas inside. There you go. He's working his way through. Yeah, yeah. Turns solid. We're doing doing physics jokes, and I love it. It's great. (laughs) Um, Let me work Boyle's Law into here. I'm with you. Yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, maybe it's just a marketing thing. Like, you you could see how Yaga would come back with something called Return of Jafar, because he was in the same, so it's like tangentially hinting towards the audience that, this character will return. Um, yeah. I, so, so ultimately though, I, I think, I think Andy's point about dramatic tension being lacking here is, is really the stakes aren't higher nope. than they were in the first one. The relationships aren't as damaged as they were in the first one. And, and basically when you're seeing someone do the same thing they did before, I mean, Jafar's plan is a redux of his original plan. There's nothing mm-hmm. really new here. Uh, do, you know what would really would really shake things up here is some wish granting, which again, for the second movie in a row with genies, there's very little wish granting. Right. Have yeah, a, we used up the the first two in two and seconds. Then you're clinging to the third one, which he never yeah, makes. Right. Yeah. Which he never makes. Um, here's a thought. What happens if Aladdin gets the lamp from Jafar and starts making wishes? Doesn't Jafar have to grant them? I what, mean, what happens then? That, 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 that makes sense to me. What if I, I've always wishes? had that wonder. I've always had that wonder. Like if the, if the lamp changes hands, like if it's Iago's lamp, does he get three wishes? Why yeah, doesn't I mean, Iago get wishes? Like why doesn't one? Iago get wishes, right? Why? And then, you know, they, you've got... That happened in the first one, right? Right. What? Why? Why not? I, yeah. I mean, let's 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 change let's change the rules of the game a little bit. And the, I don't think the rules of the chain of the game have changed. Uh, in in fact, now that I realize that Aladdin could have just grabbed the lamp and it's and wished, right. I wish Jafar was no longer a genie. Yes. This is this. Now he's a murderer because there was another option. Right. Two prizes. Right. I mean. I mean, there's a whole lot of, I mean, ultimately, if you've created a world in one film, you need to be consistent with that world in the second film. If rules are rules in the first, they need to remain the rules in the second. Now, you can change the plot, you can change the choices, you can change the interaction between characters, you can give someone a flaw we didn't know about before, but ultimately, it just... It doesn't work because it's. I'm always bumping my head on, you know, but this is this isn't how this works. And why isn't? And again, the biggest head bump for me is Jasmine. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Why? Why is the big reveal at the very end? Like exactly. And guess what? She's going to travel too. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, we could have earned that. Should have been doing that. We could have earned that, but we don't earn it. Yeah. 
Nope, we don't earn it. Not at all. Surprise. All right, pitch time. So given the three Aladdin movies and a TV series and a live action and uh, probably other things that I don't know about, what would we do with this material? So I'll, I'll, I'll throw mine out here. Uh, again, I will go back to what I said in the first podcast. I want Wishes Gone Wild. But my pitch is going to be, let's have Jafar's lamp go through various Disney worlds. Let's give each Disney villain a chance at some wishes. I want to see the Queen of Hearts wish everybody's heads fall off. I want to I want to wish I want to wish the evil queen to really say, like, I want to be the fairest in the land. And we see Snow White turn ugly. There is so much we could do. By putting this lamp with an evil genie into the hands of an evil mastermind, I would watch. I would you, it, Cruella Deville turns every dog into the woods in, in the world into clothes. I don't. I don't any. There's so much imaginative stuff you can do with a wish. I want the wildest possible wishes. Give me that. Every, a TV series. I want what if. What if Jafar and we just watch the lamp go from alternate reality to alternate reality and the villains keep messing things up? I love it. Nivy. So, okay, while generally I'm not a huge fan of time travel, um, I feel like the live action movie addressed the, the, the Jasmine problems really well. So I'm not even going to touch on that. We're going to just pretend this one didn't happen. Um <laughs> Which I know is not useful for a podcast talking about this one. It's fine, but but, but it's but it's very useful in real life. Right. <laughs> but as a reflection, like looking at the characters and what would they see if they came here, like to modern day life? Nice, right? Nice. Cultural comparisons. How would you know immigrant? Al and Emmerich Jasmine be treated in America today. Mm. I, I don't know how great they'd be treated, but there's something okay. there, right? I, yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, I like it a lot. And I think, yeah, I that's good. My I want an origin story for Jeannie, the original Jeannie, because I don't know that we know much about how how does somebody get we know how Jafar got to become a genie, but how did Jeannie get to become a genie? Right? Well, well, that's interesting. Larry said something earlier about like, well, he's, you know, he was human, uh, you know, that Jafar was human and has more creativity. And I'm like, well, but does, is Genie human? Was he once human? Like, was, he what once, is, was he once free of the lamp and then trapped in the lamp? And then trapped in the lamp. Yeah. That's interesting too. And did he have, did he have masters before Aladdin? I'm sure he did. In fact, fun fact, if you go to Tokyo Disneyland, they have a live show that tells the story of one of Genie's previous masters, uh, who was a stage magician. Uh, Interesting. So, so you can see that I you I couldn't translate it for you because it was all in Japanese, uh, but it was cool to watch. Mm. Although I can't tell okay. you the, the title of it. It's there. <laughs> it's there. Very cool. Well, thanks so much for being with us here, Nivy, and muscling through uh, the return of Jafar with us. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we'll have you back as a returning guest star for sure. Um, Larry, what are we doing next week? Next week is our Christmas special, Andy. Oh. Uh, we are doing Mickey's Christmas Carol. 
Oh, I'm so very excited. excited. It's I am Dickens too. and Disney, which, no joke, are two of my favorite things. Wonderful. Well, if you like what you're hearing, hey, friends, would you do us a favor? Would you share this podcast with another Disney or even a classic movie fan in your life? And please, please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page. Tweet us at, at Andy Redwine or at Larry Brenner 6 or drop us a line in our mailbag. We're starting to get some mail, Larry. Yes. At, uh, Once Upon a Disney Podcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. See you real soon. <laughs>